Welcome to the Bayside Church Weekly Message audio podcast, Frankston. Well, it's good to be here. I see some um, good friends and some new faces. I haven't been here for a while. I've taken a bit of a break off, um, but it's good to be back, kick into the year, and it's an honor to be speaking and sharing God's Word this morning. Um, Why don't we just close our eyes and just pray and commit the Word to the Lord. Father, I just thank you for the great honor it is to be able to share from your word this morning. And I just come to this altar so humbly, Lord God, asking that you would have your way, that you would share what you want to share, and that your word would go forth and achieve all that you've set it to do. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Cool. Well, I'm continuing the series of Moses more than a movie this morning. Uh, You may have seen the movie. It's, it's, It's a great watch. Um, Not so theologically accurate, but we're going to get into some of it this morning. So we're just going to jump straight into Exodus 4. We're going to read a bit of scripture. Great thing to do on a Sunday morning. And we're just going to unpack it from there. So we're in Exodus chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 21. All righty. And the Lord told Moses, when you arrive back in Egypt, go to Pharaoh and perform all the miracles I have empowered you to do. But I will harden his heart so he will refuse to let the people go. Then you will tell him, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. I commanded you, let my son go so he can worship me. But since you have refused, I will... I will now kill your firstborn son. And we'll skip down to verse 27 where it says, Now the Lord had said to Aaron, Go out into the wilderness and meet Moses. So Aaron went and met Moses at the mountain of God, and he embraced him. Moses then told Aaron everything the Lord had commanded him to say, and he told him about the miraculous signs the Lord had commanded him to perform. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together. Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses, and Moses performed the, miracle, uh, the miraculous signs as they watched. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. When they had heard that the Lord was concerned about them, they had uh, and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped him. There's a bit there, but it gets to this point where the elders are bowing down and worshipping God, where the, these leaders were, were so moved in their spirits that they could do nothing else but bow down and worship. And I want to explore today a little bit this idea of compassion and what it means through pulling apart a little bit of this story of Moses. And why were the leaders so moved? I'm glad you asked. Well, that's right. It's it's Australia Day weekend. We're relaxed here. We're all family. It's all good. So why were the leaders so moved? Well, these guys had been in slavery for 400 years. Now, when we read the Bible, it's really easy to say 400 years and just sort of trim over it because, you know, we see gaps of 800 years and 1,000 years. We see all these gaps in Scripture, and it's just like, and just a measly 400 years later. If you think about it, America was only just settled about 400 years ago, roughly. I get dates wrong when I don't write them down, but I think it was 1609. 
And if you think about it, 400 years is almost four times the age of the Federation of Australia. That's a long time. So these leaders had known nothing else but slavery. Their entire history was slavery to the Egyptians. So this was a big thing that in their lifetime, at this time, that God would appear to them and say, we are, I am going to set you free. You're going to be a freed people. And it, it's really easy to miss this, but this is a big deal that it was happening right now in their lifetime. And so they were moved to a place of worshiping God. Just imagine that, 400 years, your entire history lessons in school would have been 400 years of doing nothing but making bricks. I don't know how exciting people find history class now. I didn't mind it. But it's sometimes teetering on the boring side when we've got an interesting history, let alone a history of making bricks. So this is a big deal. And the key for us this morning is to look at how they got to this place and how we can play our part in getting others to this place of awe when they realize that there is a God who cares and is, in, as it, and is concerned for them. But how did they learn about it? How did they get to this place? It all happened through one man. They were given hope through the vehicle of compassion. Hope moved them, but it was through God's compassion they received it. So, in this sense, God had the compassion, but it needed to get to the people. It's like if you have an injured person, their leg's about to drop off, which is never a good situation to be in, and someone has a bandage sitting around. The bandage on its own, just sitting there, it could provide hope, but it needs to be applied. It needs to be wrapped. It needs to be tightened. It needs to stop the blood flow. It needs to... So without the administering of this, there is potentially no hope for the person's leg. And so... Compassion stirs to action when we see the hope that can be administered and then the action follows and the bandage is applied to the leg. It's sort of the same where hope can lie dormant unless it's given, translated or communicated. And here we see God communicating this compassion to the Israelite people. And they were moved because Moses and Aaron gave them this message and the leaders were blown away knowing that God was concerned about them and was going to come through for them even though nothing had changed in their situation yet. The simple fact that God was concerned moved them to awe, moved them to worship. And just like God called Moses to go into Egypt to deliver the message of hope driven by God's compassion, God is calling us to share the message that we have in the finished work of Jesus Christ with all those that we come into contact with. Go into all the world and preach the good news. And if we all go into our worlds, the world will hear the good news. So I want to explore how we can carry and deliver this message by looking at how Moses got to this place where people were moved to worship because of the message that he carried. So the first thing that we need to realize, and it was touched a little bit on last week, is no excuse is a good excuse. 
No excuse is a good excuse. Moses gave five excuses why he shouldn't, couldn't, and wouldn't go. But at the end of the day, these excuses weren't enough to trump the compassion of God. They weren't enough. And how often, speak for myself here, do I find myself giving all sorts of excuses why I shouldn't, couldn't, and wouldn't share this message that I've received by grace alone to others? Hey, take it a step before that. What about this message that I need to receive for myself first and I come up with excuses why I don't deserve it? It doesn't matter how good that we think we are or think we're not, God has made a way. This mission is not just about you. It's not just about me. It's not about how we feel. It's not about what we think we should be doing. That's actually reasonably irrelevant because with or without us, God's compassion and love for people exists. And He's calling us to carry the message. And what right do we have to get in the way? It's a bit of a thought there. Hurts me to think about. Don't know about anyone else. I'm going to take the quiet as just sort of mulling that over. Point two. We may not know the history, but we do know the true destiny. See, Moses knew a bit of the history of the Israelites. He grew up in Egypt, was educated in Egypt. He would have learnt the 400 years of brickmaking. He would have known a little bit of their story. But sometimes when we're journeying with people, when we meet people, when we work with people, we don't necessarily know their history. We don't know where they've been through. We don't know their past. But we do know just from Scripture, without even meeting the person, their true destiny, which is to be reconciled with a loving Father. John 3.16, God so loved the world. There you go. He loved everyone. So we know that their destiny is to be reconciled to a father who loved them and wants to be able to love them and wants to be able to be in a relationship, grow in a relationship with every single person, regardless of the past, whether it's known or whether it's not. We do know everyone's true destiny. When we speak life into people's lives, we need to show them how God has known them since they were born, cared for them, sent his son to die for them, then something begins to change on the inside, not always through words, but just by how we live and how we care for them. Not what we can get, not what they'd be good at serving at church, not what they can add. We just care for them because... God cares for them. God cares for them. The way we live our lives is the expression of God's compassion in this world. For you mad tweeters out there, that's going to be the take-home line for today. That's my pick of the day. The way we live our lives is the expression of God's compassion in the world. I found myself crying out, God, why aren't you doing anything? Why aren't you moving? And I'd say Moses hit that point where he decided to take actions into his own hands and take out an Egyptian. 
God, where are you? Why aren't you moving? But in actual fact, He is calling us to be carriers of the message. And if we don't, then how is God's compassion being expressed in this world? If God's compassion has no limits, then we should endeavor to show the same, which means not letting people's past hinder us from showing compassion, but rather pointing out their potential destiny when it's met with Christ. No excuse is a good excuse. We may not know their history, but we know their true destiny. And number three is the Lord has told us to go and deliver his message. This is a really easy one. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Reasonably straightforward. The Lord told Moses to go and deliver the message that he was going to free the Israelites in the same way God has instructed us to go and deliver the message that Jesus has come to free all peoples from the bondage of sin, to make them whole, to reconcile them to himself. Number four, this is a good one. The Lord has equipped us to go and deliver his message. God gave Moses three signs to show the people his compassion. When we come to know Christ and we choose to begin to follow him, we are as well giving three things that if we live out, not necessarily speak out, just live out, then that in itself can start to change the hearts of the people we then care for. So the first thing that Moses has given to show is in Exodus 4, 2 to 4, where the Lord asks him, what's in your hand? A shepherd's staff. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake and he jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab the tail, and he did, and it turned back into the staff in his hand. See, when we first come to know Jesus, the first part of the process is actually recognizing that something is in us that isn't quite right, not quite complete. The fact that something's just missing. You've got the cliches of the God-shaped hole. You've, you've got this idea that something isn't quite right. It's out of line. It's, it's the harmony's not quite there. It's something's just a bit off. So when we, when we start this uh, 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 conversation with God, it, the first thing that's pointed out is actually there's something not quite right. So when Moses throws his staff down, it turns into a snake and it jumps back, just in the same way that when we start a conversation with God and start to walk towards Him in some way or another, we start to realize that there's sin in our lives. And when we throw it down and we see it, and, and all of a sudden it becomes clear that sin has been in our lives, and it takes us, it's, it's a bit shocking. But then we reach out, and God gives us the power to actually overcome sin through the blood of Jesus. He gives us the power to actually take control and start to follow Him. Where what once would scare us no longer fears us because it's no longer our master, it's no longer pinning us down. And when we do this, it acts as a sign of God's work in our lives that we live differently. We live in a new authority. We, we continuously renewing our minds as we pursue Him and He pursues us. It's, it's the point of difference. Where we're in the world, we're not of the world. 
We're citizens of a different place that happen to live here on earth. The second sign we have is when Moses put his hand in the cloak, it turned leprous when he pulled it out, and then God said, put it back in your cloak, and he pulled it out again, and it was healed. In the same way, when we start this relationship with Jesus, we are cleansed, we are made new. Second Corinthians says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. In the same way that when people see this in us, then we're, we're cut from a different cloth that we, we don't quite fit in the world because for some reason we just live differently. We care when we shouldn't. We love them when they've messed up. We forgive when it's unforgivable. We, we, we pour out our compassion onto people. They start to think, something's a little different about you. I'm not saying weird. It's just a little bit different. And what it starts to do is it starts to shift the thinking. Just through proximity, it shifts the thinking. And the third sign is when God said to put your hand into the Nile, pull out some water, pour it on the ground, it turned to blood. All of this is covered in the blood of Jesus. It's nothing we have done. It's nothing we can do. It's purely due to the blood of Jesus and the finished work on the cross. The last thing we need to realize about compassion is that the Spirit moves people. We just deliver the opportunity for the Spirit. This whole time, it, the message was not Moses. The miracles were not Moses. Even the obedience was lacking with the excuses. But when he delivered what God gave him, the people who were slaves to another master were then moved to worship. Moved to worship. And if you can... I wasn't going to share this, but I just feel led to a little bit. If you skip down the story a little bit, Moses actually visits Pharaoh, and this is after the elders, you know, worshipped and, and moved on. Then Moses visits Pharaoh, and they come out, and everything gets worse. Everything gets worse. They're told, you have to make bricks, but now we're not going to give you the straw you need to make bricks. You have to get the store, uh, straw and make the same amount of bricks. So, in other words, Pharaoh set them an impossible task to give them an excuse to, to beat them because Pharaoh didn't like that Moses came and knocked on the door and says, let my people go. And so here they are, and then the elders go to Pharaoh and beg him, what are you doing? We can't make your quota of bricks here because we don't have the straw you were giving us before, and you want us to make the same amount and get the straw ourselves? Uh, what's going on? And Pharaoh says, no, 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 no. This is just the way it is. And then they realized it was because of what Moses did. And so they come out and they actually reprimand Moses and say, what's going on? Our master is punishing us. See, there's an identity problem here. Because they recognize that God cares for them, but then they still call Pharaoh their master. 
See, God calls us not only to get people to a point where they recognize Jesus and worship Him, but journey together, journey with them, because it's not necessarily going to be easier after this point. In fact, the enemy, the master that they were, they were serving is going to get kind of cranky that they're thinking of running away, that they think their identity is somewhere else other than making bricks. So even, I know I joke about the connect groups before, but at the end of the day, that's, that's what this thing is about. Doing the journey together, partnering with people, even in the tough times, and you know, skip to the end of the story. It's a bit of a long one. They stick together. God comes through, and they make it out of Egypt. In the same way, we're, we're called to show compassion, point out their, their true destiny, not just their history, and accept that the Lord has told us to carry this message and given us the tools to show the message and then when we finally do, we show them the signs that have happened in our own lives that become a testament to people. Then we partner with, it's not just about saying a prayer and jumping over a line, but it's walking with people, constantly showing the care, constantly showing the compassion. Church is not a building. Church is the gathering of believers. And then when we show this true life of compassion, true life of care, that true life of care that we see in Acts, when the, when the church, the group of believers come together, share everything they have, they're there for each other. This is radical stuff. But if we lose sight of the compassion, we've lost sight of the motivation for the message. And God cares for His people. And through Christ, His people are all people as they are grafted in to the family, adopted sons and daughters. Everyone's destiny in the eyes of God is to be reconciled to Him, adopted by Him, welcomed into a family that love them, both from heaven and on earth. Compassion. The compassion of God that inspired the action of the message. That inspired the realities of what Christ did on the cross. That's a cool thing. We hope you enjoyed listening to this weekly message audio podcast. If you'd like to listen to more messages and find out more information, check out our website at www.baysidechurch.com.au. Church has changed. Check it out.